Welcome to Truth for Transformation with Timothy Brown. Timothy is the lead pastor of Arden First Baptist Church in Arden, North Carolina. Our mission is to lead ordinary people into extraordinary life in Christ. We pray that today's message inspires you to live an extraordinary life in Jesus Christ. Check out our website for more inspiring resources, ArdenFBC.com. Now, here's today's message from Pastor Timothy Brown. Those of you who are traveling, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians 15, so if you have a Bible, you can turn there. There's also a listening guide that was uh, given to you as you came. As you uh, turn, just want to ask you a question. Have you ever asked the question, what if I'd have done this, then what? Like, what if you had been born in a different country to different parents? Would you be different than you are now? For those of you who are married, what if your spouse chose a different person than you? Would you still be looking for your soulmate? What about for those of you who have kids? Who would have had your kids? For those of you who are single, what about if you went to a different college? What would happen to your life? Well, this Easter Sunday, I'm going to ask you maybe a different question. Maybe you've never been asked on Easter Sunday. And the question is, what if Easter never happened? What if Jesus never rose? Would you even be sitting here today? All right. So we're going to be in 1 Corinthians 15. And a little background on the passage. Paul is presenting the gospel, but he's also answering some critics that talk about what if the resurrection never happened? And believe it or not, there are people today who still don't believe in the resurrection of Jesus. So what we're going to do is we're going to turn it from the opposite spectrum. What if it never happened? Number one, let's turn, first of all, the scripture. It says, but if there's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. We all could go home right now, right, if that's the case. And if Christ is not risen, that our preaching is empty and your faith also is empty. Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified that he raised up Christ, whom he did not raise up, if, in fact, the dead do not rise. If the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished, if in this life only we have hope in Christ we are of all men the most pitiable. Let us pray. Father, interesting question this Easter morning. What if Jesus never rose? What if Easter never happened? Father, as we talk through First Corinthians 15, I pray that you would just give insight to your word. I pray that believers would be strengthened in their faith. And that someone who came here today that's not yet a believer, still a seeker, that they would examine the cause of Christ and to see if there's anything to this Christianity that we believe in. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So if Jesus never rose, the first thing is this, you would have no hope for the future. Look back at verse 13. It says, but if there's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And in this life only, we have hope in Christ. We are of all men the most pitiable. So if Jesus did not rise from the dead, I've got some bad news for you. You have no hope today. You're sitting here in a service, and if Easter did not happen, why are you here? What's the hope? If Easter didn't happen, what about those who have died? What about your life? You have nothing to look forward to for the future. What if Easter 
never happen. Second truth, if Easter never happened, you would have no faith to guide your life. In verse 14, Paul goes on to say, and if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. So if Easter never happened, if Christ did not rise, then what are you going to believe in? You have no one who changed human history to place your faith in, that is, if Easter never happened. So, how many of you have ever been given one of those chocolate bunnies for Easter? How many of you got one today, or gave it to your kids or grandkids? The chocolate bunny for Easter is very good until you take that first bite out of the rabbit's ear, and you find out it's what inside? Hollow inside. If Easter never happened... You have nothing to look forward to in life. You have no faith, someone to place your faith in. Your life is kind of hollow. Everywhere you go, on the outside, you're looking good. But on the inside, there's really nothing to base your faith in. Number three, if Easter never happened, you would have no forgiveness for your sins. Back in verse 17, the last part of the verse, it says, If Christ is not risen, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. So, I've got really bad news for you today. If Easter never happened, you have no relief for your guilt. If Easter never happened, those bad things that you look back on, how many of you have ever done anything you regret in your life? Everybody in the room, right? My wife did not want me to share this story, but I'm going to share it anyways. (laughs) Tension's building in the room. I can ask forgiveness later. I've only shared this, I think, once, to, once at the church because of the nature. When I was a teenager, before I surrendered my life fully to Christ, I was kind of like a Sunday morning believer. You know, I went to church on Sunday, but that was it. Like, I, I really wasn't changed. I know I had Jesus as my Savior. I, I had faith. But yet, I was kind of a backslidden Christian for a long time. So I was, I was very much uh, like some teenagers you know. I wanted to get something for nothing. So I remember going to Wally World, i.e. Walmart, buying stuff, and then my carelessness as a teenager, I'd break stuff, and guess what? Walmart, they have a, you can return it, whatever. And my mind has blocked this out, so I'm not sure all the details, but I vaguely remember buying stuff at yard sales, and at least entertaining. I can't remember whether I went through, I think I did go through with it, I I blocked it out, but hey, I, I don't have a receipt at Walmart, they sell it at Walmart, so guess what? I can get at least get a gift card. And that, that today would be called what? Stealing, right? It's not as obvious as shoplifting. It's more of a sneaky way of shoplifting. So when I turned 14, 15, I remember coming to the result that I had this guilt and I needed to surrender my life to Christ. I wasn't living like a Christian, even though I profess Christ. And so I surrendered my life to Christ. But with that, the Holy Spirit convicted me and said, Timothy, you've got to make things right with Walmart. And I began to think, how do I make things right with Walmart? I mean, it's a big corporation. Which store, which, which place that I falsely return stuff back to? So I didn't know what to do. So any teenager that doesn't know what to do, they ask their mom. So I asked mom, I said, mom, I'm very embarrassed. I know I need to get things right. I've got my heart right with God. But God is telling me through the spirit that I need to get things right with Walmart. I have returned stuff. I should not have. It's stealing. I feel horrible about it. What do I do? So I had my mom call Walmart. Yes, I had my mom do it. It's too embarrassed. So she called Walmart, asked to speak to one of the managers. I can't remember the exact conversation. 
I've blocked it out of my mind. But she basically said, this is kind of an awkward thing, but my son has given his life to Christ and he has stolen things from your store by returning things he should not return. And he wants to make it right. How can we, how can we pay for it? You know, all these fishing poles, all the stuff he returned. Uh, we, we need to make it right. I'm not sure the amount, but how can we do it? And the manager, after a brief pause, is like, ma'am, uh, first of all, this, this is, I don't know what he said, but this is like unusual. And he said, but our insurance covers all that. We have a, a shoplifting insurance policy. So, Miss Brown, your son is forgiven. He doesn't owe us anything. And I'm like, oh, all of a sudden the guilt of my Walmart days. And so every time I go by Walmart and see that return center, I just walk away. <laughs> so here's the reality. All of us have done things that carry the stain and the stench of sin. Things which we wish we could have a do-over. But if Jesus never rose from the dead, you're still in your sin. You're still in your guilt. Anybody feeling encouraged so far? Number four. If Easter never happened, I've got the worst news yet. You would have no reunion with loved ones who have died. In verse 18, Paul goes on to say, Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. He says, if in this life we only have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most pitiable. So I've got more bad news on Easter, which you didn't expect today, I'm sure. If Jesus did not rise, if the resurrection is not possible, what happened to all your loved ones who have died before? You thought they were at a better place, but what if they're just fertilizing the ground? What if they're just plant fertilizer? Worse yet... When you die, if Jesus did not rise and there is no resurrection, where will you go? There will be no hope for your life. This will be the end. If Jesus did not rise. So I'm wondering this Easter morning if there's a different part to the story. I'm wondering if there's a different narrative we should entertain. The disciples broke the bread at the Lord's Supper. And he said, take, eat, this is my body broken for you. Take, drink, this is the blood shed for you. And then Friday happened. We call it Good Friday, but why was it good? An innocent man was nailed to a treacherous cross. Blood was shed. Why do we call it Good Friday? Friday happened. Their Savior was dead. They laid him in a tomb. Saturday came. When the sun rose on Saturday, it was a sad, sad Saturday. The disciples' hope seemed gone. Despair filled the air. Tension was so thick you could cut it with a knife. Saturday came and gone. But when the sun rose on the Judean hillside that first Easter morning, They went to the tomb. They hurried to the tomb. And something unbelievable happened. They did not find the body of the Lord Jesus in the tomb. Jesus was not there because Jesus was not dead. He is alive. Amen. And because He's alive... You can throw the first part of the sermon away if you're in Christ. Now, if you haven't yet accepted Christ, that's the reality you live in. 
And we're going to give you some hope on how to exchange that. So today, before we dismiss you for Easter lunch, I want to give you eight quick realities of what it's like because Jesus is alive. Are you ready? Say amen. amen. All right. You had your coffee. We're back in 1 Corinthians 15. By the way, this is a long chapter. We don't have time to go through all of it, so I'm just hitting highlights. In verse 20, it says, But now Christ is risen from the dead, and he has become the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man, talking about Adam, came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ. You may want to underline that. This is true if you're in Christ. All shall be made alive. So today, if Jesus is your Savior, because he lives, there's eight realities. So we're going to do a little fun. This is Easter Sunday. For the Christian church, this is like Super Bowl Sunday, so it's okay to talk back and get excited. Even on even in a Baptist church, you can get a little excited. So I'm going to say, because he lives, and then I want you to say it, because he lives. First reality, you have hope for the future. In verse 20, it says, now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Now, what's first fruits? Here's the picture. All through human history, death was like this. You see footsteps leading up to a dark pit, a dark pit with no light. And you see people falling in it. Ah, and then that was it. But in Jesus' ministry, he began to tease with death. And all of a sudden you see Lazarus rise from the dead. And they're like, wow, amazing. But when Jesus died, something far different happened. It wasn't a temporary resurrection. It was a permanent resurrection in a glorified body. So whenever Jesus went into the tomb and he was there for how many days? Three days. Easter Sunday morning, there are footsteps on the other side. So here's the thing. If you're in Christ, you don't have to fear death anymore. You only have to fear not accepting Christ in this lifetime. So you have hope for the future. Number two, someone say because he lives. You have life for today. Paul says in Adam, we all die. Even so in Christ, we shall be all made alive. Don't you want to just have one of those come to Jesus meetings with Adam? Man, you ruin it for all of us, right? Because of Adam, we all die. But in Christ, guess what? If you're in Christ, all shall be made Alive. So the beautiful thing about Easter is that there's something amazing that happens when you're in Christ. You are made fully alive. What some of us don't realize is if you've never accepted Christ, the sad news is you're only two thirds alive. Your body is alive. That's your physical being. But bad news is your body's dying. How many of you realize that? Death rate is 100%. Your personality is alive. That's your soul. But your spirit is full of darkness. That's what's called spiritual death. It's kind of like your spirit is there, but it's curled inward. And there's no light there. It's darkness. And what happens when a person is born again, the Holy Spirit steps into your spirit and opens up that curled in spirit to where instead of darkness, there is now light. So here's the reality. Because Jesus is alive, you don't have to live half dead anymore. Because Jesus is alive, he wants you to be fully alive in Jesus, and by the way, this changes everything. So, on your listening guide, you'll see a little chart there. Your life without Christ and your life with Christ. And I just want to kind of compare and contrast. First of all, your life without Christ, 
you're spiritually dead. Ephesians 2 said that you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Yeah, you're living, you're breathing, but you're only partially living. You're half dead. You're walking around in darkness instead of light. The other thing that we hate to admit, but if Jesus is not on the throne of your heart, guess who's on the throne? You are. So you're living for yourself, which is really a dead end street. To make matters worse, you're in desperate need of salvation because the Bible says the wages of sin is what? Is death. And here's a little mystery about death. Satan's card, his ace of spades or his joker was death. And before Christ came, he used that card to hold people into bondage because everyone feared death because what's on the other side. But Jesus used the same card of death to outplay, outmaster Satan. He took that card away and attached it to himself and said, I'm going to die. So whenever I defeat death, this will be the death of death. So now on, you don't have to fear death because Jesus has conquered it. Amen. What about your life with Jesus? Let's look at the contrast. You are made brand new in Christ. Just the song the worship team said. You are made new. And you don't know what it's like to be made new until you experience it for the first time. Just like Jennifer over here. The last two weeks. Something inside of you is alive that's never been alive before. You are now God's masterpiece. He's created you as a work of art. And he's got a purpose for your life. And you are adopted into God's very own family. That's such a beautiful promise. So if you know Jesus, you can know peace. In Jesus is peace. In Jesus is life. In Jesus is eternity. But if you have no Jesus, N-O, you have N-O life, no life. So the question I want to ask you is, do you really know Jesus? Someone say, because he lives. I'm speeding up because you're getting hungry. Number three, you can look forward to a perfect place. In verse 23, he says, but in each one in his order, Christ, the first fruits, and then after those who are Christ that is coming. How many of you like getting upgrades in life for free? Right. For those of you who have an iPhone, it's expensive to get upgrade right every year. Like, man, iPhone, what are you up to? 13. How many of you started with iPhone one and now you're like, oh, 13. That's a lot of upgrades. You get in an airplane and you're in this small little seat and you wish, man, I, I just wish I could have an upgrade. But it's so expensive. Did you know that when you accept Christ, you get three major upgrades? The first upgrade is a life upgrade. You go from death to everlasting life. That's a pretty good upgrade. The other upgrade is a body upgrade. Anybody, can anybody use a, a good body upgrade? I'll raise my hand with that. You go from a temporary tent. You know, you go camping out. You, you set up a tent to the Bible says God's preparing an eternal home for you. I don't know about you. I, I like this temporary tent, but. I want a permanent home one day. I long for that. You also get a power upgrade. You may think that you're powerful, but apart from Christ, you are ultimately powerless when it comes to eternity. But the Bible says God is putting all enemies under his feet. And one day you will rule and reign with Christ. That is powerful. Look at the person next to you and say, you're powerful. Didn't know it, but you're powerful. So here is the ultimate thing. I don't know about you, but I'm longing for a perfect place. I'm longing for a place where tears do not come down anyone's face anymore. I'm longing for a place where joy is abounding everywhere. I'm longing for a place where happiness happens everywhere. I'm longing for a place where Jesus is there. And I can look at the scars in his hand and I can be reminded I did this for you. Welcome to your eternal home.
Because he lives, number four, you don't have to fear death anymore. In verse 26, it says the last enemy that will be destroyed is death. So by a show of hands, how many of you are looking forward to dying? We had two people in the first service, so three, okay. You're like, they're crazy. Well, let me give you a narrative. If you know what lies on the other side of death is better than what you're experiencing, you can look forward to it. It's kind of like, have you ever went on a vacation and you knew where you're going and you had friends waiting for you on the other side? Well, in heaven, Jesus said, I am preparing a place for you. And guess what? All your loved ones who are in Christ, who have died, they're waiting for you on the other side. So it's not like you're going to an unknown place. You're going to a known place that is prepared by Jesus. Yeah, you haven't been there yet, but Jesus has told you about it. And I hear the word on the street is the streets are made of what? <laughs> some, some of you may not realize this, but right now we are in a, we're in a labor and delivery room. <laughs> My mother-in-law said, whoops, because we've been there five times currently. We are in a labor and delivery room because here's the scenario. Some people in here have only been born once. And today you're going to have a chance to be born twice. Let me give you, I want you to write this down. And this is a little riddle, you have to think about it. But if you are born once, you will die twice. But if you are born twice, you will only die once. You're like, explain the riddle, what does that mean? Well, your first birth is whenever you came into this world and they gave you a birth certificate and they said, congratulations, it's a boy, it's a girl. That's your first birth. Second birth is whenever you make the decision to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, believing the good news and accepting forgiveness of sins. That's when the Bible says you were born again. So if you were born twice, the only death you'll have to experience is a temporary physical death. Unless Jesus comes back and we get to avoid that with the rapture. Amen. But if you have not yet received Christ, you not only will die once, but you die twice. It's a physical death and it's a spiritual death. So my goal for everyone as you walk out of this room is to ask the question, how many times have I been born? How do I know if I've been born again? Well, we're going to give more details about that. Someone say, because he lives. You guys are listening so well. I'm preaching faster, which means we get out earlier. Amen. Number five, you are on the winning side. Paul goes on to say that, that Christ is ruling and reigning. And he goes on to verse 28, 27. He has put all things under his feet. So here's the idea that God is overall. And what's, what we're going to see take place in human history is eventually you're going to see Satan and all his foes. They're pretty much defeated. But you're going to see the, the actual defeat in time and in space when Jesus comes and conquers all as King of kings and Lord of lords, that's going to be a good day, right? Spiritually, he's defeated, but we're going to see the actual defeat when, when Satan is forever bound and he's no longer roaming the streets anymore. So here's the idea behind the winning side. None of us like to lose, right? So if you are in Christ, you have already won. And you're like, well, Timothy, I was defeated yesterday. I'm not talking about temporary defeat. I'm talking about from eternity standpoint, the Bible says you're already seated with Christ in the heavenly places. And you're like, no, I'm not. From God's perspective, you're already there. And what that means is when you place your faith in Christ, he places you in his hands. He places you in his love. He places you in his care. So no matter what happens to you, eventually you will arrive on the other side in the presence of Christ. And that's good news. 
I remember, any, any basketball fans here, by the way? Oh, I got a few. Well, I'm a closet Lakers fan. And when Kobe Bryant was with us, he, he was doing amazing things until he tore his Achilles. So what I used to do is when the Lakers were having a losing season like they had this season, I would DVR all the games and I would only watch the games that they won. Because if they lost, what's the point, right? But if I knew from a perspective of victory that they won and Kobe scored 30 plus points, I would watch it, I would enter in, and I wouldn't stress even if they were defeated because I knew in the end they would So let me tell you the news. If you're in Christ, you've already won. You may win, you may lose the battle, but you've already won the war. So be encouraged. Look at the person next to you again and say you're a winner. Because he lives, number six. And this is encouraging. We've already alluded to this, but you'll be given a new glorified body that's forever young. And everyone over 40 said, hallelujah. It says in verse 42, so also is the resurrection of the dead. And let me tell you what your body's going to be like. You ever wonder what my body's going to be like on the other side? It says the body is sown in corruption. It's raised in incorruption. It's sown in dishonor. It's raised in glory. It's sown in weakness. It's raised in power. It's sown a natural body. It's raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there's a spiritual body. So is there anyone here? I know that. You know, most of us aren't looking forward to dying, but how many of you are looking forward to getting older than you are? Unless you're 20, 30. Right, we don't like the aging process, right? We, we, we're ready to go to the other, the other side, but we're not, we don't want to age. We don't want to grow old, but that's the reality. Can I tell you what your new body's going to look like? There's five things, and this is in your listening guide. Number one, it's perfect. I've never seen a perfect person yet, right? Jesus is the only one, and he's, he's, he's in heaven. So it's going to be perfect. The Bible says incorruptible. It's going to be glorious. The idea behind glory is God's radiance will perfectly shine through you. One of our sayings at Arden is let your glow show, right? We're letting the light shine, but we don't do it perfectly. But when you get your glorified body, the radiance of Christ will shine through you perfectly. Number three, it's powerful. It's raised, it's, it's sown in weakness, but it's raised in strength. For those of you who suffer with chronic depression, stress attacks, anxiety, cancer, health issues, you're not going to deal with that in heaven. It's spiritual. Some of us struggle to sit through, sit through an hour worship service. How many would identify with that? But when you get to heaven, anything spiritual is going to energize you because you're going to be given a new body where the spirit dominates. And it's Christ-like. You will be like Jesus completely and fully and wholly for the first time. We strive to be Christ-like, but we're imperfect, right? We all sin and fall short of God's glory. We all miss the mark. But when you get to heaven, your character will be like Christ. But here's a side note you need to realize. Did you know that your personality will go with you forever? Some of you are like, that's not a good thing. Well, listen, it's all the good aspects of your persona will be there, minus the negative aspects. So don't hit the person next to you. But if you get grumpy, you're not going to get grumpy in heaven. If you're short-tempered, you're not going to be short-tempered in heaven. So everything good about your personality will carry on, minus all the sin issues. Amen. All right, someone say, because he lives. You can live in victory as a follower of Jesus Christ. Now, we talked about you being a winner, but what does it mean to experience present victory? In verse 57, Paul says, but thanks be to God who gives us victory the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So let's break it down. Victory can only be found in one person. Who is that? 
our Lord Jesus Christ. So when you say our, you're talking about it's, it's my relationship with Jesus. Did you know that God has no grandchildren? And also a lot of people, this is popular with Oprah and on television, people will say we're all God's children. Is that true? We're all God's creations and he loves us all. But God only has one eternal son. That's Jesus. He's been from eternity. Eternal son of God. The rest of us are adopted into the family. So the only way you can become a child of God is by adoption. The Bible says in John 1.12, as many as received Jesus to those he gave the right to become the children of God, even to those who believe on his name. So how do you become a child of God? Someone say it with me. You got to believe, right? You got to be adopted. So we got to know Jesus personally. And it says, Lord, Jesus doesn't want to just be your hero. He wants to be your Lord. He doesn't just want to save you. He wants to guide you. He wants to lead you. Praying a prayer is not get out of hell free pass. It's an invitation to follow Jesus for the rest of your life. So here's the thing. If you pray to follow Jesus, it's a commitment to your life. It's not just I want to get out of hell. No, it's I want to follow you as my Lord and my Savior. So he is the Lord and Jesus is his earthly name. Does anybody know what his earthly name means? What does Jesus mean? Savior, the Lord saves. So every time you say Jesus, you're saying he's my Savior. And the last word is Christ, which is not his last name. You think as much people use that word in a curse word, Christ is not his last name. Jesus first name, Christ last. No, Christ is his role. It's his title. It means the anointed one. He came with a mission. He was anointed to save us. So whenever you put the two together, our, he's my savior, Lord, he is the ruler of my life. Jesus, he came to save us. Christ, he's anointed and he rescued me from my sin. Amen. So here's the reality. Jesus is alive. So you don't have to live half dead because he's alive. He invites you to live fully alive in Jesus today. And by the way, this changes everything. And finally, number eight, this is probably the fastest sermon. I've got through 12 points in like 30 minutes. So praise be to God. (laughs) You now have something to live for a greater purpose than you can even imagine. Look at verse 58. It's one of my favorite verses. It says, therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast. So if you're in Christ, guess what? You've got to stay consistent. Keep your eyes fixed on him. And then he says unmovable or immovable. The idea is you shouldn't let anything shake you. Because Jesus defeated death, death shouldn't shake you. Because sickness cannot hold on to you forever, sickness could not shake you. Because here's the thing. You're a winner. You've got victory in Christ. The best is not now, but the best is yet to come. In Christ, the promises are yes and amen. And the last phrase, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Here's the idea. You've got a purpose. That purpose is to bring God glory, number one. But it's also because you're fully alive in Christ, your goal is to help other people become fully alive in Christ. Amen. So what is the difference in conclusion between a caterpillar and a butterfly? Let's put a caterpillar on the screen. A caterpillar, this is a right attractive one. Most of the ones I've seen are not this attractive. That's why they took a picture of this one. It's more attractive than most. But a caterpillar crawls around, eats dirt, and it eats and eats and eats and eats, and its body gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. The problem with the caterpillar, it just crawls. It doesn't fly, right? 
It may fall off something and hit you in the face, but it doesn't fly. But a butterfly, on the other hand, it's went through a big change called a metamorphosis. See, a caterpillar's only been born once. A butterfly's been born how many times? So God, in his amazing beauty and creation, he's given us an example. That if you've only been born once, I hate to tell you, but you're, you're like a caterpillar. You think you're pretty amazing, and you are in some ways, but you're crawling on the ground, right? But God meant for you to fly. God meant for you to be basking in his beauty, just like the butterfly's wings, so full of color, and it flies. But in order to do that, the caterpillar has to go into this little tent called a cocoon. And scientists, to their best understanding, I don't want to gross you out, but the, the caterpillar gets kind of gooey and gross. And the, the genetic code of like the butter, the caterpillar kind of turns off and the genetic code of the butterfly turns on. I'm not a scientist, I can't explain it. But out of the goo and nastiness, i.e. it's like a death, emerges something beautiful. And I think we have something back here behind this. We have some butterflies. And Joe and Jen, I didn't ask you to do this, but can you all come on stage? (laughs) I put people on spot in this church. Sorry, it's just part of my spiritual gifting. Spontaneity. But what we're going to do is we're going to release. We're going to have Jen, Jennifer being our newest believer in here. We're going to try to release these butterflies in here. And what this symbolizes is that when you're in Christ, guess what? The Bible says you're a new creation. The old life is gone and the new life has come. So if these butterflies fly over you, they're, they're harmless. They may try to get nectar from your hair, but it's okay if you got. So let's try to, try to, yeah, let's see if we can get some of these to. All right, let's, whoa, there goes one. All right, butterfly. And some of them, uh, they were shipped from like Florida, so some of them may take a little while to wake up. All right, we're going to help you. (laughs) There we go. All right, now Jennifer, we want you to get one out to release it. They don't bite. They just fly. Yeah, you can grab. Here, I'll help you here. Here you go. It's going to take off. It's going to take off. Here we go. <laughs> there we go. And the rest will eventually make their way out. Let's give them a hand. New life in Christ. So the reason why I gave this illustration, let's throw the big idea today, or one major thought today. Jesus is alive, so you no longer have to live what? That first part of the sermon I realized was depressing. I was depressed even talking about it. But if you're not in Christ, that's that's, that's your reality. You have no hope. You have no faith. You have nothing to live for. But if you're in Christ, the next phrase is embrace the grace to live fully alive in Jesus today. God's plan is for you to have life and it more abundantly. The butterflies are starting to come, right? Entertainment factor. But here's the thing. You have to be born twice. So as we close this Easter Sunday, I'm going to say a prayer and then we got some more music and the butterflies are going to keep us entertained for a while. And we do have nectar, by the way, if they get hungry, if you're wondering. 
Um, the thing about it is, this is only true if you've accepted Christ. So if you've never, if you're in here today and you've never accepted the gospel, what that means is the gospel is that Jesus Christ died for your sins and he rose the third day. And when we talk about being born again, we're talking about receiving what Jesus did for you. It's not by works. It's by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. So if you've never made that decision, we're going to give you a chance to do that. If everyone just bow their head. First of all, for the believer. I want to pray for the believer. If you're here today and your life is... Even though you're fully alive, you're not really showing it to the world. Sometimes you walk around like you've been baptized in lemon juice with a frown instead of a smile. But today, God has shown you you're a new creation. You're meant to fly like this butterfly spiritually. You're meant to soar in victory. If that's not been your case, just tell the Lord about it. He knows. Maybe there's a sin that you need to confess. Maybe something is chaining you down. Just go ahead and tell him now to say, Jesus, I'm sorry. Please forgive me, whatever that is. As the believers are praying right now, there may be one here today and you've only been born once. And today you've heard the gospel that Jesus died for your sins. He rose the third day. And today you want to experience the metamorphosis. You're tired of living like a caterpillar. Today you want to live fully alive, not just half dead. That's you. No one looking around except me. I want you to raise your hand. Today's the day. I see that hand. I see those hands. Anybody else? I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to come up. Anybody else? I saw those hands. If that's you, just right where you're at. You don't have to pray out loud, but let your seat be your sanctuary. Say this prayer. Say, Dear God, I believe the good news, and I want to receive the good news by faith. I do believe Jesus died for me, and he rose again. And on this Easter Sunday... 2022, Jesus, go ahead and tell him, Jesus, I ask you to save me. I ask you to make me a new person. I ask you to make me fully alive. Please forgive me of all my sins. And I choose today, from now on, throughout eternity, to follow you. In Jesus' name, and all God's children said, Amen. And as we pray that prayer, let me release another butterfly. They were just waiting. Let's give the new believers a hand today.